as our scripture base for this evening is the second reading from this Sunday's reading. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. Brothers and sisters, you know what time it is, how it is now the moment for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. The night is far gone, the day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us live honorably as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. The word of the Lord. It's a powerful reading for us as we enter into this, our Advent journey. And again, welcome to those here in the church and those praying with us online. As we gather together here before the Blessed Sacrament, uh, opening up our hearts to the love of Christ and journeying together to the gift of Christmas, uh, each of these sessions and opportunities each Sunday night will be that time for us. And amongst the other things that we have planned uh, to journey together to embrace and to become more like that light, the light of Christ, the light that never fades. And so um, the theme this year, last year we did the faces of Advent, and we looked at the different uh, um, scripture characters that help us lead to Christ, and this year we're looking at the gifts of Advent. And so before we, we dive into this reality, we want to look at the difference between a present and a gift. I think I've done this before, but it's a good reminder for us. A present is something that we give with an expectation of something in return. Present. And I'm stealing this from Father Richard Fregamini. This is not my own. Give you an example of a, of a present. Very soon at the backs of the churches in our family parishes, there'll be these thing, little boxes called offertory envelopes. This is a present to the parishioners. It is something that we give as a present, most definitely expecting something in return. Right? And oftentimes, sometimes we do that, don't we? we? We give a present, and then we wait for what they're going to give to us. Right? We, believe me, the offertory envelopes are presents. They're not gifts. But we get caught up in that. Or someone's given me something, now i got to give them something back. And i got to find out, uh, well, how much was this worth? I don't want to give too much. And then you get into the present wars, which will probably be another reality television show soon. Right? A present is something that we give with an expectation, some strings attached, versus a gift. A gift is something that we freely give without anything in return. It is given without strings attached. It is given for our benefit. It is given out of appreciation. It is given so that we may grow. 
And so we celebrate in this Advent series the gifts of Advent, realizing what God is giving to us as a gift, not as a present. A gift for our benefit, a gift for our growth, a gift for, for us to be fully completed, to be fully alive, to be fully human beings, to be his disciples. And so we're going to reflect on those gifts. And the, the first gift is hope. We lit the first Advent candle at our churches uh, this weekend. And that first gift that we're going to look at is this sense of hope. And what does kind of this hope entail? This reality to stay awake and be attentive to how God works for us in our lives. To wake up from this reflection if you've fallen asleep. I got a better reaction tonight than I did at the Masses this weekend. We want to, if we're going to try to embrace hope, we have to be attentive and looking for God's grace. If we want to have hope, we have to leave the darkness of sin. Of course, we have the opportunity for the sacrament of reconciliation throughout the season of Advent. But we also want to leave kind of the darkness of the challenges of this world that kind of can overwhelm the light that is there, the light that Christ gives, kind of our our pessimism, our, I mean, and all the things that we find on the news, all this stuff that, that's darkness that can kind of consume our lives. We have to choose real hope. A hope in Christ that uh, can't be taken away. Uh, it, we simply need to seek out that, that hope that Christ offers, and it is freely given to us. But we also then have to give hope. Sometimes we don't take that extra step. You know, we receive God's grace and reconciliation, but don't forgive our spouse. Or we go to reconciliation or we, you know, we don't forgive our neighbor. We hang on to this anger. Or kind of choosing that sense of real hope to give that hope is that sometimes it's not as obvious, but sometimes we'll walk by someone as if they didn't exist like the poor at our church doors. Someone who we avoid at the grocery store because we don't have time, we're caught up in ourselves. We have to try to give that sense of hope because through the gift of our baptism, strengthened in confirmation, the gift of our faith, we are that hope alive because Christ dwells in us. And so it does become up to us what that means for us. So I've got a few quotes that might help us uh, on hope. This one comes from St. Thomas Aquinas. Faith has to do with things that are not seen and hope with things that are not in hand. Faith has to do with things that are not seen. Well, we believe in the Lord, we believe in Jesus, of course, here present in the gift of the Eucharist. We believe in the kingdom of heaven. We can't see what it exactly looks like. We can get glimpses through the gifts of the sacraments and the gifts of our faith, but it's really of things that are not seen. A hope with things that are not in hand, and I would add, not yet, if I dare to add to Aquinas' quote. Because we're not kind of hoping that God is happy with us. We're kind of not, we're not hoping that he will save us. The hope is fulfilled. 
The hope is complete, but it's not in hand for us yet. Not fully. It will be when we're called home to the kingdom. But we can embrace part of it here and now. And of course, Advent is past, present, and future. Advent reminds us of the second coming where this hope is fully at hand, fully embraced for us. So St. Catherine of Siena, hope comes from love because people always trust in those they love. Hope comes from love because people always trust in those they love. One of the important realities of our faith is not just to be obedient to the rules, going to church on Sunday, taking time to pray each day when we're not actually building our relationship with Christ, that we're not dialoguing, us speaking, but also us listening. And sometimes that listening is hard because we become impatient. We don't get what we want. We don't like what we hear from the Lord because sometimes it's no. Sometimes it's not yet. Sometimes it's never because that million dollars has not come to me yet. The Lord has said no. So we have to, and, and, and so if we fall in love with Christ, that's one of the big realities for our parishes is to develop and help foster, create opportunities to fall in love with the Lord. Because when we fall in love, we will trust. And when we trust, we, we know that his hope through the gift of the incarnation, through his death on the cross, gives us fulfillment. Again, that hope fulfilled. And so that's so important for us to try to fall in love more and more during this Advent season. St. Teresa of Calcutta, we can't live without hope, but hope doesn't really start with us. It starts with God. He is the one who promises to always love us, never leave us, be strong when we are weak, provide direction when we are lost and wisdom whenever we ask for it. Our hope has to be in him, the author of hope. We want to give hope. In these lines, Mother Teresa reminds us, because if we want to give that hope, we never leave those around us. We are strong for those who are weak. We offer direction for those who are lost and wisdom and grace to those who are seeking it out. We become these agents of hope, these signs of grace that we are called to be each and every day. And God is the author of hope, and we need to allow him to write that hope, that joy, that love in our hearts. St. John the 23rd, consult not your fears, but your hopes and dreams. Think not about your frustrations, but about your unfulfilled potential. Concern yourself not with what you tried and failed in, but with what is still possible for you to do really like this quote because sometimes we do get consumed with our fears our failings and they become overwhelming for us and they kind of overshadow kind of the hopes and dreams that we have you know to to make this world a better place 
to make sure that our family of parishes is a strong sign of hope and joy. Maybe these are my hopes and dreams. That our families are okay. My children try to live the faith, draw close to Jesus. St. John the 23rd is reminding us that change can happen to draw people to the love of Christ. But we got to keep those fears and the disappointments or those frustrations kind of at the side. We don't ignore them. They're there, but we need to kind of put them in place if we're going to have hope. Because oftentimes people lose hope or don't have hope when they're overwhelmed by those frustrations, overwhelmed with darkness, overwhelmed with uh, those crosses that people bear. They're all there, but we have to have hope and focus in on Christ's love and Christ's grace. St. Augustine, last quote of the saints on hope. Hope has two beautiful daughters. Their names are anger and courage. Anger at the way things are and courage to see that they do not remain as they are. It's one of the themes certainly during Advent as well as during Lent is seeking change, seeking conversion, seeking renewal, transformation, not only in our lives but in the world. And so there is this sense sometimes of anger, of being angry with what's going on. And I think that's a good thing, but it can't stay there. Oftentimes anger will shift to gossip and, 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 and ridicule and condemnation. Uh, and then it just spins around and it stays like that with us. And then we have to go to confession and then we go there and then it spins around again. Anger and frustration with what's going on in the world, what's going on in our lives is a good thing because it looks and says there's a disorder, there's something wrong, there's something that needs to change. But then you need courage. Courage to look at things differently, courage to change the things that we need to in our lives. Courage to choose hope and to let go of despair. Choose Christ. Choose light. And turn away from the darkness. I want to conclude my reflections uh, with a, a document Pope Francis announced in a letter on February 11th of this year, of 2022, in preparation for the Jubilee year 2025. So every 25 years, the church celebrates a jubilee year, like we did in the year 2000, when uh, St. John Paul II opened the doors to the new millennium, had all these celebrations. We had a special jubilee year of mercy a few years ago, declared by Pope Francis. That was an extraordinary year. But in 2025 comes the 25-year mark for another jubilee year. And in this letter, he reminds us and focuses us in preparation for a few years from now. And I want to quote a few quotes from this letter. He says, we must fan the flame of hope that has been given us and help everyone to gain new strength and certainty by looking to the future with an open spirit, a trusting heart, and a far-sighted vision. We need to look ahead. We need to look forward, this uh, fanning that flame of hope, uh, looking to the future uh, and gaining a new strength and certainty. This is the, this hope as we move forward. And he goes on to say, the forthcoming Jubilee can contribute greatly to restoring a climate of hope 
and a trust as a prelude to the renewal and rebirth that we so urgently desire. That is why I have chosen as the motto of the Jubilee, Pilgrims of Hope. Isn't that awesome? That, that's the theme for tonight. To be pilgrims of hope. Embracing that, what Christ offers to us. Restoring a climate of hope and trust. And he goes on to say, this will indeed be the case if we are capable of recovering a sense of universal fraternity and refuse to turn a blind eye to the tragedy of rampant poverty that prevents millions of men, women, young people, and children from living in a manner worthy of our human dignity. Here I think in particular of the many refugees forced to abandon their native lands. May the voices of the poor be heard throughout this time of preparation for the Jubilee. Pope Francis is reminding us, I think, again, these two important things, this opportunity for us to embrace this hope only found in Christ that never fades away, that never disappoints, and is fulfilled. But it can't stop there. He's constantly been in his papacy reminding us of the responsibilities that we have for those who suffer, for those who are forgotten, and certainly in our, in our city, very visible, those who are in need, literally at our doorsteps. And the question for us is, are we going to turn a blind eye? Or are we going to look for that hope and to embrace that hope and to share that hope so that everyone has, as Pope Francis talks about, worthy, you know, living in a manner worthy of our human dignity. And in that, there is a price to pay for us. To be able to offer hope, we have to set aside our preferences, our expectations, our plans, we have to change, certainly for us as a family of parishes and in our lives, the priorities that we have. Where our energies, our resources, our finances, and our ministries point to. If we're going to be pilgrims of hope, it needs to continue to grow in serving those who are in most need because it transforms our lives as much as it transforms theirs. And we have amazing outreach already happening in our family of parishes, but there needs to be more. There are so many people, and it's not just the material poor or the homeless, but many who have lost that sense of hope, have been overwhelmed by the storms in their lives that need our presence, our love, our joy, and ultimately our hope. So as we pray tonight, both here in person, those praying with us online, we come before the Blessed Sacrament, our Lord Jesus Christ, hope fulfilled. He comes before us, beckoning us to stay awake, looking for us to leave the darkness and the opportunity of reconciliation tonight to choose real hope 
real light, not caught up or relying on ourselves, but trusting in him as we literally come before him in the gift of the Eucharist, asking for his help, asking for his grace, but listening to his voice to, to find out where he is sending us, where he wants us to go, what does he want us to do? And then in that way, we can give real hope. And I will give you a sign of real hope right now. My reflection is over. Oh, well, talk about hope fulfilled. Hope is this gift Christ gives us during this season. A hope that his love does heal. A hope that his light does shine. A hope of eternal life given to us but called to be shared. When we're filled with hope, we're filled with joy. When we're filled with hope, we're optimistic. When we're filled with hope, we're not afraid of the storms. We walk into them protecting, guiding, and serving those who are in most need. And when we have hope, that hope becomes contagious to others. People catch that spirit, that hope fulfilled, that hope complete that hope is Christ.